Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Persis Poku. On today's episode, we wanted to continue our discussion from the fourth chapter of Ephesians. And as we said earlier, uh, the overarching theme of the book of Ephesians is uh, the church, the body of Christ. The church, the body of Christ. And that is to convey this imagery of the body working together and the need for the body to work together. And Paul is using the analogy of our body uh, when it's working the way it needs to work, where each part complements one another, where the eye is important and the uh, hands are important, and the nose are important, and the feet are important. Uh, they are created to work in unison when it's working the way that it needs to work. So Paul is trying to convey this idea of unity, uh, this idea of uh, harmony within the body of Christ, uh, this idea of us working towards a common goal. And so we find in Ephesians 4, as we talked about in the last episode, uh, Paul identifies himself as a prisoner of the Lord. And uh, we painted a picture of us serving time for God, meaning that uh, for those of us who are in Christ, this is not just a game. This is not just a fleeting moment in terms of our relationship. Uh, This is not just a fad we are in Christ uh, for life. We are in Christ as prisoners. I am indebted to Jesus forever. And uh, there's no way that um, I can leave him. And he certainly has assured us that no one can pluck us out of his hands. So we are with Christ forever. Uh, doesn't mean that some days our emotions don't get uh, the best of us and Uh, We don't feel like praying, and we don't feel like going to church, and we don't feel like turning the other cheek. And those are part of the emotions uh, that we all have, and those are part of a fallen world. Um, we, We now have the sin nature that still resides in us, and so Paul tells us um, from a metaphysical perspective that we have both the old nature and new nature, warring. And so uh, the nature that you feed the most is the one that's going to have the most power. This is why we are uh, encouraged to uh, pray without ceasing. Uh, We're encouraged to uh, study the Word of God. We're encouraged to uh, keep talking to God. And through the processes of our religious um, dedication, 
we grow stronger. And by that, I mean when you avail yourself to uh, Bible study, when you avail yourself to worship service, when you avail yourself to ministry, when you avail yourself to missions, when you avail yourself to praying on a daily basis and uh, actually uh, fulfilling the concepts of commandments, the concepts of instructions that the Bible gives, the concepts of principles, and putting those into action, then we gain power. We gain strength to allow the Holy Spirit to help us to suppress the old nature. So, again, this book of Ephesians implying uh, or commanding unity. And so uh, we talked about being a prisoner. We talked about being humble and being gentle, uh, being patient, bearing with one another in love. And everything we do must be rooted in love, according to uh, 1 Corinthians 13, and, and reminds us uh, just going through the processes of doing good works is not enough. It, just going through the processes of uh, the outward appearance of sacrifice is not enough. Whatever we do, it must be rooted in love. Uh, oftentimes, uh, people do things, and it's not rooted in love. It's, it's rooted in some ulterior motive outside of love. And God says, even though on the outside it may look like uh, it was a pleasing sacrifice to him, if it's not rooted in love, he's not going to accept it because your sacrifice was disingenuous. So we must make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Uh, Blessed are the peacemakers. That's the way Jesus put it. So we are called to be peacemakers. It shouldn't be the Christian that is part of the chaos. It shouldn't be the Christian that's part of the discord. It shouldn't be the Christian that's part of the disunity. Right? It shouldn't be the Christian that's further promoting chaos, that's further promoting discord, that's uh, further promoting discontent. And unfortunately, many uh, churchgoers, uh, many Christians have gotten caught up in the rhetoric of our society. Uh, we've gotten caught up in perpetuating gossip. We've gotten caught up in perpetuating the platforms of our specific political party. And as I said on a previous episode, Christ before party, scripture before party. Uh, If the particular party that you, I'm talking about political party, embrace uh, a certain stance that's in harmony with scripture, praise the Lord, then we, we, we applaud them for that. But if our political party engage in something that we know is is blatantly contradictory to the scriptures, then we have to call them, uh, we have to stand up against it. Jesus did not take sides. He, he didn't take sides with the Pharisees. He didn't take sides with the Sadducees. He didn't take sides with the Essenes. Jesus brought the sword. And wherever the sword laid, it's where it laid. We shouldn't get wrapped up in the world's affairs. And that's what's going on right now. Uh, you got people that's turned a blind eye to the truth because of their political party. God has called us to be metapolitical, beyond politics. We have to transcend beyond politics. When something is true, 
we, we applaud it. When something is wrong, we have to stand up against it. So we are like referees. We don't take sides. But when we see an affront, we have to deal with it as led by the Holy Spirit. And that frees us up also to uh, challenge certain things when we are not wrapped up in specific parties. And again, uh, we as, uh, as Christians are called to be good neighbors. So there are things that we have to do uh, with our politicians to get um, some things solved. So we do need to be engaged. We do need to be in our communities fighting for what's right. Because if we don't sit on, if we don't, and we sit on the sidelines, then we allow worldly people to create laws on our behalf, which will affect us. Just as an example, in some districts, well, uh, probably in all, in all districts now, because we are under the uh, California, California State uh, School Board, um, they have intended, in many cases, to insert uh, information in our children's textbooks that's contrary to our Christian beliefs. So we can't just sit on the sideline. We're talking about our children. They are an invaluable commodity that God has given us. We can't allow our state to uh, not just educate, but to um, try to uh, influence our children to believe something that we know is false. So we have to stand up and do what's right. And if we follow the scriptures, if, if, if we read the Bible, if we study the Bible, and we understand the ways of God, and we understand what God uh, wants for us, then all of us, right, it's, it's uh, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. All of us will be unified under what the Holy Spirit is telling us, not based on denomination, not based on race, but based on the blood of Jesus. This is a global gospel, not just a local gospel. It's also a global gospel, and the Holy Spirit does not make mistakes. So, again, in Ephesians 4, Paul is reminding us of the unity of the believer. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Verse 3, there is one body, as I said before, one body, right? There's not multiple bodies. There's one body. And I realize uh, that we've created denominations for our own local benefits, but there's one body. We've got Christians uh, in California. We've got Christians in South America. We have Christians in Nigeria. We have Christians in Europe. We have Christians in Asia. We have Christians everywhere. And we're all one body, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one gospel. That's the great thing is we speak with a common voice or we ought to speak with a common voice. This is why it's important for all of us to understand the teachings of Jesus Christ, what's priority and what's secondary uh, according to the scriptures. Uh, Many times, we make the mistake of making the peripheral issues major issues. And then we make the major issues minor issues. 
And these are things we need to learn. What are the major issues? The major issues mean that we can't compromise on those doctrines. The minor issues meaning that God has given us freedom to um, put forth or deal with those uh, doctrines or teachings uh, the way that we believe uh, he's leading us to um, fulfill it or incorporate it into um, our ministries. So major issues Uh, We can't compromise on it. And uh, the apologists put it this way. Um, In major uh, unity, in minor liberty, but in all things, charity, meaning uh, in in everything that we do, again, must be rooted in love. So let's remember that Um, there's one body and one spirit. Thank God for the Holy Spirit, one spirit. And he, not it, he gives us instructions, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And so Paul is painting this picture of what the Christian family should be. We are one body. We are preaching the same gospel, or we ought to preach the same gospel. We are teaching the uh, gospel, or we ought to teach the same gospel. And uh, the same spirit is directing us to do what the will of God is. And he, the spirit, uh, he, he, he interprets our prayers for us. He, he leads and guides us, and he gives us the, the power to fulfill the mandate that God has given us, the prescription that God has given us. So Paul is painting a picture that we should be one family. We should be one family. That's the standard. And it becomes difficult when people try to get their own way. It becomes difficult when people want to uh, choose and replace what they believe the Bible is saying. It becomes difficult when people uh, don't spend time reading and studying the Bible becomes difficult when people are not being trained in healthy, in the healthy teaching of God's word. It becomes difficult to have unity when you have different Christians with their own personal agendas. So we must resist the, the uh, temptation. We must uh, resist the lure of doing things our own way. When we make decisions, We really should be thinking not just about ourselves, but the Christian community. How is this going to affect my brothers and sisters in the Lord? God did not save us for us to live this life on our own. He didn't save us for us to be lone rangers, right? He didn't save us uh, for us to be Rambos, where we just go into uh, a, a remote place and live our lives. No, God saved us. As a connection, we, we are all connected to one another. So as a Christian, if I let my Lord down, I'm not only uh, letting God down, but I'm letting you down as my brother. I'm letting you down as my sister because then the world is looking at me. And if I fall, then the first thing they're going to say is, see, I knew those Christians were hypocrites. I knew those Christians uh, were just uh, uh, religious, and, and I, I, I knew those Christian uh, testimonies weren't authentic. I knew uh, what they talked about in terms of Jesus uh, being able to ch- uh, change your life uh, wasn't real. 
So it becomes an indictment, uh, not just on God, but us, us also. So when you make decisions, yes, it affects you first, but also think globally. How does this affect the global church? How does this affect the local church? How does this, this affect the church at home? And we all have church at home. We don't think about it, but your home life, your household is your first church. It's your first church. Think about that. The way that uh, you pray, the way that you teach, the way that you deal with the people underneath your roof, that is an indication of who you really are. When you go to church, it's easy to put on makeup and be a different person. It's different. It's easy to put on a mask and be a different person. So we don't want to be a hypocrite. Paul says, let love be without dissimulation. So in verse 7, Ephesians 4, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ appointed it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. He took many captives and gave gifts to many people. And that passage is so uh, important because there's an apologetical uh, doctrine associated uh, with this verse. And I want to um, deal with that uh, for a minute. So in the Old Testament, if we look at the Bible, uh, the question was, did Christ go to hell? And the answer is not the hell the way that we think. Uh, Christ does not go to hell, but he went to Hades. And Hades showed, or slash showed, uh, which is the common uh, words used in the Hebrew for hell, was a place where the departed souls of all men went immediately upon death. And by men, I mean mankind. So Hades uh, functioned as a holding place uh, for souls until Jesus Christ came and atoned for the sins of men. It was a place uh, which was divided into two compartments, um, and this is evidence uh, by uh, Lazarus and the story of Lazarus and the rich man. Paradise, a place for the godly, uh, was one part of the uh, Hades. And the second part, uh, the gulf, uh, talked about a place of torment for the ungodly as depicted um, in the story of Lazarus and, and the rich man. First uh, Peter 3.19 says that Christ preached or proclaimed to the spirits in prison. Uh, we should be careful not to infer that Christ went to hell, which is the place of eternal ju- uh, uh, judgment, simply because that word uh, prison and preached are used in the same verse. So as noted, uh, in terms of my discourse, Hades had two compartments, and Christ went to the part known as paradise or Abraham's bosom, Luke 23 and 43. It can also be seen, um, as we look at the story, that there was a gulf in Hades which separated the godly from the ungodly, thus allowing the two parties to communicate without the ability to go to the other side, Luke 16 and 26. This is Jesus himself that tells us about this reality. In 1 Peter 3.19, Christ uh, could proclaim or preach to the spirits in prison, Hades, his victory over sin and death without having to cross over to the other side, uh, the place of perpetual and eternal judgment. 
And I realize that this is a lot of information. Um, you probably never heard this before, some of you, but uh, it is biblical, and it is something that Jesus himself talks about in Luke 16 and 26. So, so sometimes after Christ's ascension, uh, at, after he ascended, he removed uh, all the saints from paradise to the throne room of God, Ephesians 4 and 8, so that now when the believer dies, he goes directly to be with the Lord, Second Corinthians 5 and 8, whereas unbelievers continue to go to Hades uh, into the final judgment where they will be thrown into the lake of fire, Revelations 20, 11 through 15. And if uh, this is a lot of information, I realize some of you may be driving, some of you uh, may be in a place where you can't take notes, uh, contact us, and we love to uh, send you the handout on um, the doctrine of souls and whether or not uh, we went to uh, the eternal place of punishment or whether uh, we went to paradise, Abraham's bosom. So it's a lot of information, and uh, if you would like to get a copy, just uh, go on our website and uh, email us at info at srministries.org, info at srministries.org, and we will get a copy to you. So as we uh, proceed through Ephesians 4, uh, Paul says when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. And that's what we just alluded to um, in our uh, message about uh, hell and paradise. So, Verse 9 further talks about what I just talked about. What does, uh, what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who ascended is, very, is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fulfill or in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles. Here we go. So again, he's talking about the unity. And um, as part of the unity, Paul is painting this picture of God through the power of the Holy Spirit, appointing uh, or gifting to the church uh, different offices and, and different ministries. So there shouldn't be chaos in the church because it's God is the one that gave it to us. God is the one uh, that supplied us with all the various beautiful gifts. And, and as a result, we can't take credit for it, but we give all credit back to God. Uh, through his son, Jesus the Christ. So Christ himself, verse 11, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Again, uh, the whole pursuit of, of trying to reach unity. And this is the theme of Ephesians, right? Uh, we said that the theme of Ephesians is the church, the body of Christ. So we've run out of time. I know it went by quickly, but continue to pray for us as we uh, attempt to equip believers all around the world. Um, remember to do for the truth what so many do for a lie. Stand firm in Jesus uh, with your firmness, with your desire rooted in, ch- in charity or love. And as always, we not only ask for your prayers, but we do need your financial support. Uh, If you would, go to our website, srministries.org, 
And you may donate there or go to P.O. Box 582-306, El Grove, California, 95758. And may the Lord bless you and your family. Stand firm for the gospel. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy message as has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. Hello, I'm Adam Comer. And I'm Ryan Chittister. And we are the host of Life After Addiction Podcast. What we believe is that addiction is not a surprise to God. That's right. We discuss addiction from a biblical worldview and how true freedom comes through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Absolute freedom from addiction. The secular worldview of once an addict, always an addict is just not true. If you or someone you love struggles with addiction, subscribe to Life After Addiction at lifeaudio.com.